Um, and I know, I think in this crowd, most of you guys know me as Gigi's mom. Uh, <laughs> and that's a really good thing, although I am really excited to see all of those that have come up through Compass Kids, my amazing MITs. It is such a blessing to be here. I'm genuinely excited. Um, and yeah, I don't have Pastor Izzy's energy. Y'all not going to get that from me. Even though I'm a kid's pastor, right? They're, they're a little bit more draining. Um, but I am excited because I believe that God has something profound that he's teaching you. I love that Excel is starting this new series, this series on really important fundamental habits, right? Habits and spiritual practices that are going to deepen your faith. And can I just say, just probably over the last year, I am so excited to be partnering with Pastor Izzy in the Next Gen ministry. He and I have this united vision. The Lord has really given us this passion to see the next generation know God and not just like know who he is, but have an intimate relationship with him to be equipped, right, followers. So we're going to talk a little bit more about what it means to be equipped. But having this personal relationship means that you know him, you love him, and you can live for him. That's a whole other level. It's not just kids that come church and have fun and make friends and hang out. That's great. But that's so superficial. If that's the only thing we're doing, you are robbing yourself of a beautiful, divine opportunity to live a life with greater purpose than you ever thought possible. And so I love that Pastor Izzy is pushing you guys to do more, to ask for more, to expect more. And I'm doing the same with Compass Kids. And there's this united vision. Um, late last year as I was praying and I asking the Lord, like, what am I doing with Compass Kids? Like, I usually ask the Lord to give me a word, something that's going to help drive anything new, anything consistent, just that fresh anointing. And the Lord spoke the word action to me, action. How do you get these kids to actually do what they say they believe in? And so when Pastor Izzy came to me, so passionate as he is about everything, right? I'm starting this amazing new series, and he's talking really fast, like faster than in Puerto Rican, I know. And he's like, and we're going to do it on spiritual practices. And I'm like, dude, that's like, that's my heart. I'm a kid's pastor, like that, the foundation, the fundamentals. Yes, can I? Like, can I? Um, and he was so awesome to say, yes, yes, you can. And so it's my privilege to share with you guys in these spiritual practices, the spiritual practice of accountability. It's kind of a big word, right? I mean, how many of you guys really use it in your daily vocabulary? Are you accountable for your studying of the math test? I mean, it's not, it's not a common word, but it's a very important word right? It's an essential part of every believer's life, whether you thought about it before or not. So we all know the basics, right? Or maybe you don't. So we're going to go back to the Webster's Dictionary. The Webster's Dictionary says that the definition of accountability is the obligation or willingness to accept responsibility for one's actions. Kind of basic. You know, you, you come into work late, you're not going to get paid. You don't study um, for your test, you're going to get a bad grade. You hand in an assignment late, points will be deducted. You kind of think like, all right, I got to study because I want to get a good grade. I got to hand in my assignments on time. I'm going to be responsible. Maybe you didn't. You're like, oh, you know, teacher, professor, I just, you know, I got really busy. I got really late. Can you just accept? I know the deadline was midnight, but it's only like 12.02. 
you know, your professor's not going to read that till 7 o'clock in the morning. Uh, your teacher's going to be like, do this Friday. I'll see you on Monday. But then you, on Monday you show up and you're like, I know I was late, but can you please accept it? All of a sudden you feel like a grown-up because you're like, I'm taking responsibility for having been late. This is my accountability, right? That feeling that's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a little grown. I can do this. Consequences may you, may, you may have a great teacher that's like, sure. You may have that was like, nope, it is what it is. But you learned a lesson in that. You're not going to be late. You're going to write something down. Something is what you're getting. That's kind of basic, right? Basic accountability. We all know that in our everyday lives. But do you recognize what accountability is from a biblical perspective? What does Jesus, all loving, all full of grace, right? Sometimes we're like, I mean, God will forgive me. He knows. Man, I hate hearing that one. God knows. He knows my heart. I'm like, yup, he sure does. <laughs> he knows your heart. He knows your heart. He knows what it means. But that does not excuse you from the responsibility that you have to Christ. So biblical responsibility, similar to any other, right? Or biblical accountability is taking responsibility for your own actions. Except when we talk about biblical accountability, it's taking responsibility to obey God's commandments and teachings. Now, these are different, guys. Okay, it's easy to take responsibility um, to your actions according to whatever the world standards are. You know what school expects. You know what your parent expects. You know what society expects. Society kind of has their standards way down here, right? Like, I'm good enough. I didn't kill anybody. I haven't robbed anybody. I'm not in jail. I'm good. Like, really low bar. But you've got to live a life according to God's standard. His word his commandments, what he's asking of you, according to God's standards, that's where accountability gets hard. That's where you're like, mm, I don't know if I can do that. So if you don't know a little bit about me, I also happen to be Pastor Joey's older sister, right? We grew up in church. And when I'm talking about we grew up in church, like I practically lived there. Small Latin church, like you clean the church, you set communion for the church, you set up chairs. and We didn't have like four different pastors and a whole staff. It was a preacher and the church. And so I like legit lived there. We were always there. And so I heard the word of God. I loved Jesus. I would worship him. But I didn't have an intimate relationship with him. See, I was taught to be a good person. Christian girl. And to be a good Christian girl, it wasn't too hard most of the time, right? To be a good Christian girl, I had to obey my parents. Most of the time I did. I had to go to church, even if it meant we were there six times a week, morning and night. No joke. Sundays was morning and night, sometimes in the middle of the day for practice, right? I had to serve others. We can never be sitting. We always had to be moving. And how can I help you? And what can I get you? And where do we go? And how do I clean? And where do we move? I'm a total Martha, by the way. I mean, I just love to work. So you serve others. You do well in school. Your very best. Because you love Jesus, and people need to know that you give your best. That's a good Christian girl. My favorite, good Christian girls don't talk back. How do you think I did with that one? Not so good, right? You do as you're told, and you don't talk back. Lord, I challenged everything all the time. I was a but why girl. But, like, why? Why? And let's compound this, okay? 
I have Latin immigrant old school Christian parents. You don't speak up. You don't say what's on your mind. You don't challenge. You do as you're told. Y'all, the first time I went and got my second piercing, I was told I was going straight to hell because good Christian girls don't get second piercings. I've got five, by the way. Um, It's like I was constantly getting closer to the railroad that led to hell with my piercings. Um, I was not very good at following all of the good Christian girl rules. It was daunting. It was exhausting to be good all the time. And I was like, well, I can't be good all the time. That's just, it's not going to happen. And I'll be honest, when I was a little girl, they used to introduce me and my sister as the good one and the bad one. Who you think was the bad one? Yep. I was introduced as the Evelyn. In fact, shh, don't let it leave this room. My nickname used to be Evelyn. And as a kid, as a young kid, I was like, yeah. Right? I'm dating myself. He, man, you got to be like really old to know that. But as I got older, that stuck with me. And I thought, well, what makes me bad? I'm a good Christian girl. I go to church. I got straight A's. I do what I'm told most of the time. I don't always talk back. It's just when it doesn't make sense, right? I thought, like, why am I bad? And after a while, I couldn't reconcile being a good Christian girl and working so hard to always be called a bad girl. And so I got tired. I got tired of doing it all in my flesh and never being good enough. And I became that bad girl. That's a whole other testimony for a whole other night. But I love that God is so good. I walked away from the Lord. I lived a life where I knew what was right, right? I knew the word. I heard it. I sat in church enough. But it didn't matter enough. It didn't matter enough to change how I lived. And God is so good. And he is so merciful that he doesn't leave us that way. No matter what I did, no matter where I went, no matter what I accomplished, it wasn't enough. I was 22 years old, executive manager for a major uh, Fortune 500 company, making six figures and up. Y'all, I was balling. I was happy. I thought, who does this at 22, 23? And I was like, Lord, you love me. This is favor. No. As time passed, no matter what I did, it didn't fill that void. It didn't, it didn't meet the need that my heart had. Jesus was calling me. And at 24, I came to Belmont. I thought, well, if my brother can get straight, like, maybe I'll give it a try. God must be doing something at Belmont, right? So I showed up, and I got here, and I sat down. And for the first time in my life, I encountered Jesus intimately and sweetly. Like I knew God loved me and I loved him and I was baptized at eight and I loved the Lord and I could sing all the songs and I knew that he loved me. But I thought that I had to keep earning his love and I thought that he would stop loving me because I wasn't good enough, because I was evil. And I love sitting here and and God showed me The more and more I was coming, the more God showed me that, hey, you don't have to be perfect. I've got that covered. I paid the price. You just have to trust me. 
And as I began to trust who Jesus was, as I began to trust him with more and more of my life, I realized that it wasn't about being a good Christian girl. It was about learning to be a child of God. Whole different level. Because it, it wasn't based on my own strength and my own merits and the things that I did. It is what Jesus already did for me. When he died on the cross and paid the price for my sins. When he took my sins and cast them as far as the east is from the west. That was done for me. I did nothing to earn it. And in my mind before, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't reconcile that. You know, one of, the, one of my favorite anecdotes, I guess, I've heard someone say is that God has no grandchildren. You're just a child of God. I wasn't getting into heaven and I wasn't having a personal relationship with God because my parents did or because my grandmother did or because all my aunts and uncles. I had to choose it for myself. I had to live it for myself and I had to surrender my heart all on my own to Christ. Then I became a child of God. Then I began to understand what biblical accountability meant. It wasn't about being in church all the time. It wasn't about knowing all my Bible verses. It wasn't about being a good Christian girl. It was about being someone who could reflect the image of Christ. So I want to share with you guys this verse, kind of the main verse. I got a lot, but if you can turn to your Bibles with me, Genesis 1.26. I love how Pastor Z calls that the sky Bible, right? I'm totally stealing that, the Sky Bible. Genesis 1.26, I'll be reading the um, New Living Translations, my favorite. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. You see, that latter portion was really easy for me to understand, right? I had a job. I knew the job to reign over God's creation. I was like, I could do that. I'm bossy. That's fine. That was easy. It's the first part of the scripture that really stumped me. The first part of the scripture that took some time for me to understand. You see, God said, let us make human beings in our image. Who's the our? Right, we're doing kids' church. Who is the hour in this? Right? You're like, it said God, God created, but God is a triune God. It comes in three parts God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. All of them present in creation. All of them were used so that we could be created in their image. We are to be like them, right? Jesus said to be like us. Now I was like, well, I'm not perfect never will be, never have been, right? But that's not what God is talking about, right? He is going to help us live in a way, talk in a way, act in a way, love in a way that reflects his character. Not his perfection, we're never going to do that, but his character, what makes him God. That's the part that he inherited to us, right? So are you loving, kind, forgiving, patient, faithful? These are the attributes of God's character. That's what we're meant to reflect. This is an innate responsibility. Innate means you are born with that, almost like your inheritance, right? 
You are innately responsible as a believer or non to live your life like us. From, the, from creation, guys, from the very beginning, whether you choose to follow Christ or not, as a human being, you were created in the image of God to be like them. That's your responsibility. Whether you want to accept it or not, it's different. That's a divine responsibility. And we need to understand that whether you like it or not, you are accountable to that responsibility. Right? How? All right, Romans 14, 11, and 12. We're going to talk about why you are accountable for this. Romans 14, 11, and 12. Y'all can use this guy Bible because I move fast. I want to get you in your small groups. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. You see, at the beginning, we are created in God's image. And at the end, we're going to have to answer to that responsibility we were given at creation. At the end, every knee. It doesn't say my children, my sons and daughters, my believers. It says every knee will bow. Whether you want to or not, you have to give an account. Accountability, right? You have to give an account. We're doing some root word analysis here on what Jesus assigned to you as your responsibility. Right? 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil that we've done. So we understand the beginning and we understand the end. Now what do you do in the middle? What shows that you are living a life of accountability? First, in order to reflect who God is, you've got to know him. If you don't know him, you've got nothing to reflect. You can't, you can't emulate, you can't copy, you can't live and be like someone who you do not know. I could never be a good enough Christian, like I thought, but I could never be a child of God because I didn't know who God was intimately and personally. Didn't matter that I was always in church. Didn't matter. Didn't matter that I did Every workshop, Bible study that you could do, it was about my personal relationship. You have to know him. You have to know him so that you can reflect him and then you can follow what he says. So you got to know him and then you've got to cultivate a relationship. You've got to build it. Does that happen all at once? How many texts do y'all send to the people you first meet when you're starting a relationship? Like a thousand texts, right? And even then, you're only texting what you want. You really have to spend time with someone to know them. So listen, first is a choice. You've got to choose Jesus. You have to choose him to be your Lord and Savior. And then you've got to choose to spend time with him, to get to know him, to surrender your heart with him. And then it happens every day in the little things, in the everyday habits. Everything that you do on a daily basis, your worship to him, your prayer, your Bible reading, things that are cultivating an intimate and personal relationship with him. And that gets hard. I mean, how many of you guys never miss a day? Y'all, I've been trying to read the Bible in one year for like three years. I'm like, almost there. I'm like, oh, Jesus, I'm almost there. But I can't. It's hard. It's hard. And if you keep relying on your own strength, you're never going to get there. 
You're never going to be where God wants you to be to do the things that God wants you to do for the plan and the purpose that he assigned to your life outside of just reflecting his character. Guys, my favorite thing about next gen is that God uses you now, not when you grow up. I think there's a pure, more beautiful sharing of the gospel that young people have. One, because you have more energy. I'm a little jealous of it. And two, because you're just closer to God. That's why he says, let the children come to me. I know you ain't children, y'all, but you're really young. To me, you're a baby. Um, Because he loves your heart for him. And so it gets hard when we do it on our own. But how beautiful that we don't have to. We don't have to. Because when we get the gift of eternal life, when we accept Jesus Christ, if that's a choice that you make, you not only guarantee eternal life, but you guarantee the depositing of the Holy Spirit, who now allows you to live a life that's bigger, better, more beautiful, fuller, because he is indwelling. He's with you. He is, he is helping you little by little change. It's called sanctification, right? Because now all that sin nature slowly gets chipped away, slowly. And all of a sudden, you start demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, right? I'm still working on the gentleness. The Lord is still working in me. And I love that we are always a work in progress. But you've got to call on that help. You've got to look for it and then allow him to do what only he can do. And I love that God is so good that he doesn't leave us there. It's not just in our intimate time reminder. God knows that we need tangible. He's so good that he knows that about us. And so I love that God sent the body of Christ, the church, the people in this room. You have the Holy Spirit, and then you have those that are here, other believers who can help you in your accountability journey. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Guys, I love that we don't have to do life and we don't even have to do our own faith journey alone. We have friends. And amongst your friends, my prayer is that you will have friends that you can trust Friends that you can be open with. Friends that can be your accountability partner. They're the ones that are going to check you. They're the ones that lovingly are going to be like, hey, that's not cool. Hey, I noticed you haven't been to church like three Thursdays in a row. What's up? Friends that are going to say, hey, the way you spoke to the leader, that's not okay. Are you angry? Are you upset? How can I pray for you? They're going to challenge you. Let me tell you, if you don't have a friend like that, will you decide today to be a friend like that? You may not have someone in your life, but you can be that person to someone else. And you watch how God is so faithful that he will bring that person into your circle. So we have the Holy Spirit. We have our church body. Guys, there are so many everyday practical tools, tangible tools that we have at our disposal to keep growing, and to learn how to be accountable to God. Biblical accountability, right? Your actions according to God's word. So one, you got to spend time in God's word. You got to build these daily habits. 
Everybody knows daily devos. Look, if what you're doing now isn't working, change it. Find something else. There are audio apps. That's me. I'm, I'm slow. I need to hear it first, and then I read it, and then it sinks in. Um, you know, whatever is going to help you establish a consistent reading plan. Maybe you're an artist. You want to journal it. Maybe you want to write it out. These things that are going to help you, right? And when you do spend that time with God, guys, I think you, I think all Christians miss this key component. Do you have time of self-reflection? How does this apply to me? How can I live this out? Are you thinking about it all day? Because let me tell you, if you set in your mind and you ask the Holy Spirit to help you think about it all day, you're going to see how in your life you're going to be like, oh, God, I read that this morning. Woo, that means I got to do what you ask, right? Okay. He's going to test you, but he's going to help you. He's going to be there. Whatever it is. And right now, as you're going through this journey, as you're learning this series of fundamentals, I challenge you to set personal spiritual goals. Where you are isn't good enough. Because if this were good enough, God would have called you home already. You're here because you have something to do, something to learn, and a way to be used by God. And so when you're here, what are your spiritual goals? Maybe it's something simple like I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to establish a consistent Bible reading habit. This is the year I'm finally going to memorize scripture. Guys, maybe it's like remedial Christianity. I'm going to show up to church every Sunday. I'm going to be at every Excel, right? Maybe I'm just going to keep a gratitude journal so I can learn to see God more in my life and not complain. There are so many everyday practical tools. And if you don't know what to apply in your life, speak to one of your leaders because I'm sure they've got a pocket full of resources for you. Guys, I'm going to recap the three things. You are created by God to reflect him. But you have to know him in order to know how to reflect him. And God is so good that we don't have to do it alone. We have the Holy Spirit and we have each other. My prayer is that you make a consistent choice to use the tools and, you, and ask for help, the people around you, to help you accomplish what's right. And by incorporating these habits that you're going to learn in this series, you're going to grow in your relationship with Christ, and you're going to grow in your faith in ways that you've never imagined. Guys, I believe that Jesus is getting you ready for what's to come. This is the generation of action. Jesus is calling you to him. Jesus is calling you for more. Jesus is challenging you, saying, you may not be able to do it alone. You maybe have never been able to do it, but you can with the help of the Holy Spirit. And when you do, you're going to see how your relationship becomes the center of your universe. Guys, God knows you, the good, bad, and the ugly. It doesn't matter. He loves you anyway. Right? As Sal reminded us earlier, Jesus is equipping you to become kingdom warriors in this lost and dark world. I believe that that is my prayer every morning I wake up and I pray for Compass Kids and for Excel. I pray for the next-gen ministry here at Belmont because I believe that God is preparing us for something greater to come. 
And I believe that it will begin in the next generation. I believe that you are who he is equipping and calling because he's going to do something amazing at Belmont and Belmont Cragen and in Chicago. Revival is at the doorstep. But you have to be willing. You have to be willing to accept that responsibility. Guys, because you are warriors who are going to be bold about your worship. You are warriors who are going to be biblically fluent, able to share the gospel clearly, to defend your faith in a world that now requires us to do so. You will be able to fight battles, spiritual battles in prayer. You're going to call down miracles from heaven in the name of Jesus. You will be breaking chains if you allow God to do what he is calling you to do. It's coming. That miracle, the moment you accept responsibility for what God's called you to, if you're willing to demonstrate biblical accountability. So can I just pray for you guys? Pray for what I know the Lord is doing. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for each and every person that's here. Lord, I thank you for that person that's listening online. Lord, I thank you for the stirring that you are having in their hearts right now. Lord, I thank you for what you are beginning to awaken, Lord, as they understand that they don't have to be good enough because you are more than enough. Lord, that you are going to walk through this journey with them and you're going to help equip if they just choose to be responsible and obey Lord, and even in obeying, you're going to help us do that, Lord. It's not in our own strength. Lord, I thank you for the leaders of Excel. I thank you for the, the prayers that they say over their students. Lord, I thank you for the sacrificial time that they give because they believe for the plan and the purpose that you have over their students' lives. Lord, I pray that you will continue to equip, to pour the Holy Spirit, to meet them where they are, dear Jesus. In their time alone with you, Lord, reveal yourself to them. In their time in your word, help them to understand. It's not just words like in a dictionary, but this is your voice. Lord, this is the life-changing word of God. So Lord, begin to change their lives. Begin to build them up as the warriors that are so necessary for the battles that they are facing at home, at school, in their communities. Lord, allow us to be the warriors that you need to break through the enemy's lines here in Chicago. Lord, to speak truth and life to the lost and the hurting. Lord, to just love the unlovable according to the world's standards. But Lord, to gain souls for the kingdom of heaven. Lord, may we fight as citizens of heaven. May we hold on, Lord, to the calling that you have in our lives. Lord, and choose you daily above ourselves. Lord, I thank you for what you're beginning. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in each and every life. And Lord, may it all be for your glory and for their good. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Oh, thank you guys. I'm so excited. You got a challenge. You've got a challenge now. And there's no greater opportunity to demonstrate biblical accountability than in your small groups. Ooh, I'm a big fan of small groups, y'all, in case you didn't know. So we've got small groups happening. We've got our three different small groups. I forgot who's meeting in the loft.